Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast, located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we are a community striving to be faithfully present to God, self, and others. We hope this is an encouragement to you in your life, no matter where you are. Thanks for joining us. Ephesians 4, 28 and 29. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love our church so much. I really do. Um, You know, even at the end of the day today, when I, you know, give the benediction and peace be with you, go in peace, and then everybody just turns and hangs out, (laughs) is is a sign of a healthy congregation. The people love one another and want to be with one another. Um, So thank you for being here. Again, keep remembering our church in prayer, other members of the church, just as we continue to navigate this crazy season, uh, be present to one another, be checking up on one another. I keep saying that week by week, but it's important to put before ourselves. All right, so um, today we're concluding our series on uh, doing the vision of our church and dropping it in the local context of work. Uh, If you're new around here, you'll hear this all the time. Uh, The vision of our church is very simple. Redemption Church is striving to respond to God and the gospel through remaining faithfully present to God, to ourselves, and to one another. The vision of faithful presence is not flashy. It's simply a call to show up to your real life and to do so in responding to all that God has done in the gospel. And so this is not a Sunday morning only vision. This is not a, I only do this when I read my Bible once in a while at my house kinds of vision. It's a kind of vision that speaks to every day of our lives, regardless of the kind of work that we find ourselves in, whether we find ourselves retired or unemployed or happily employed or stressfully employed. This vision is something that we can do day by day. And I've been reminded over the course of this week, um, I was telling my spiritual director on Thursday that in my 20s and 30s, Uh, When I thought about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, I thought it was going to be like Pentecost. 3,000 people meet Jesus in a moment, boom, and then off we go, and life is to feel fast. And so in my 20s and 30s, I spent a lot of time running and hustling, thinking I got to keep up with God. We got to save the world. 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 And then life kind of keeps happening to you. And you turn 40 and 41, and you start slowing way down and realizing, you know, if I'm going to actually keep in step with the Holy Spirit, it's going to actually require a lot of slowing down and being present rather than trying to speed up and to try to catch up with God. He moves very slow. I mean, do you remember when we walked through the book of Acts, the first nine or ten chapters? You're like, wow, this is just blowing and going. And then if I ask you, well, what happens after chapter nine or ten? You're like, I don't know. It got really slow. Yeah. (laughs) That God is teaching us something, even in that, that we're to move slowly and to be present. And so we're talking today about being faithfully present in the context 
of the workplace and to be present to our coworkers. So let's take 10 seconds, just 10 seconds, and think of your coworkers. Who are they? Where do they come from? What are their interests? What do they like? What's your relationship like with your coworkers? Let's take 10 seconds. Let those faces come to mind. Okay, so then let's begin with a question. It's a simple question. What's a coworker? <laughs> it's a pretty simple answer. It's people you work with. And yet, Christians are given this unique set of lenses, two lenses that we look through as we show up in the workplace day by day. One is that the coworker is not made in the image of the brand or the company for which you work for. That your coworker is not merely another cog in the system, another part of a machine made to manufacture a given good or product or service in the world. Your coworker, according to the Christian worldview, your coworker is first and foremost made in the image and the likeness of God. That means, regardless of age or ethnicity, or gender, orientation, how one identifies, religious affiliation, on and on and on we can go, how we classify who fits in what box in the world. Scripture speaks and says, a human being is not what they produce. A human being is made in the image and likeness of God. And by being made in the image and likeness of God, that fact alone, warrants honor, respect, grace, truth. That very reality alone warrants that the Christian look at someone in the workplace and go, you're not the sum total of what you produce in the nine to five or in your 20 hours or however many hours you're putting in a week. You're not the sum total of those things. First and foremost, we look at our coworkers as image bearers of God. And it's important to remind ourselves of this because in the workplace, it can quickly become almost, well, things can become profane very quickly. That is, the holy and sacred gift of becoming a human being becomes, we can look at one another as though they're just a part of a machine. They're just an obstacle. They're just a conversation. They're just a meeting. They're just a number. They're just another thing to get through the day. They're just somebody else. And so it's important for us to remind ourselves, no, that's not just another meeting. That's not, a, not another obstacle, another conversation, another thing to be managed. <laughs> a human being is made in the image and the likeness of God. The workplace won't tell you that, but the gospel does. And it's something we have to remind ourselves on the way into work, whether it's through a Zoom call or physically going somewhere, the people I'm going to encounter today are first image bearers of God. That's first. The other thing, the other lens that you get as a Christian as you go into the workplace is to remember that your, your coworkers are there not by accident or happenstance or circumstance or coincidence or whatever. 
that is, your coworkers, sure, they have a similar interest in that particular field of work, perhaps. And sure, they went to school and acquired some kind of skill set in order to bring into this particular place. And that's true. And yet the Christian perspective we read in Acts chapter 17 is very, it's, it's profound. Because as Christians, we believe God is sovereign. Acts 17, Paul says this, God made the world and everything in it. And he gives to all humankind life and breath and everything. He has determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Wow. So the boundaries, the times and the places in which human beings live, Paul says, God put them there. Your address, your workplace, your co-workers. Paul's saying God is so big, God is so sovereign, God is so in control that these people are not here merely by a happenstance or a coincidence, that your co-worker is there he says he had ordained the times and places that we would live, that we would work, so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So as a Christian, we ask a question, well, what if God, in his sovereignty, has placed your coworkers precisely where they are? And what if you, having known Jesus and knowing him presently, what if those co-workers are there and you are there to play a part as they feel their way toward him and find him? That's a different way to look at walking into the workplace. And I know Amazon didn't hire you to walk into the building and proclaim Romans chapter 8. Like, I, I get it. Like, as Christians, we can kind of feel this like if I show up in this place of employment, I guess I, am I supposed to like preach the gospel every day at work? You, you can, but that's not what they've hired you to do. And they might ask you to be quiet. But you do preach the gospel. That's, that's part of it. But first and foremost, we've been instructed again and again throughout Scripture to work with excellence and to be present to our coworkers. So as we think about these two lenses, these coworkers are image bearers of God, and they're not here by accident, but God put them here. And maybe I have a role to play as they find him, ultimately. So, today we're walking through Ephesians 4, 28 and 29. And I'll read these words once more. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such as good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay, I know that Paul is not writing a, like a work manual <laughs> um, in the book of Ephesians. He's writing a letter to a church and he's giving instructions on new life in Christ. And that is to say that life in Christ is not merely a few doctrines that you ascribe to on, in your mind or on a piece of paper. And life in Christ is not merely going to worship services. 
life in Christ has everything to do with your daily life outside of the four walls of the church. So the first instruction is this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Okay, so I was thinking about this in its original context, who Paul's actually talking to in, to this church in Ephesus in Turkey. He's talking to, in this context, he's talking to day laborers. In fact, I have a picture right here um, that we can pull up. Uh, He's talking to, this is <laughs> the Marathon gas station off Highway 16 in Noonan, Georgia. Like, never seen that, never going to go there. Right. And that doesn't look like holy ground at all. But this is a place that I would go when I put myself through seminary. I worked three jobs. I was a substitute teacher in the day, so I reaped everything I sowed. So go easy on me. Uh, one. I was a substitute teacher during the day. I was a bar back at night, which means I swept up cigarettes. That's when you could smoke inside. <laughs> I swept up cigarettes, changed out kegs, did inventory. That's what I did in the evenings. I did my Hebrew homework while doing, <laughs> when it was, whatever, a chill night, you know. And then on Saturday mornings, I would go here at 5.30, and I would stand outside and be me and a bunch of Mexican dudes, and we would hang out as day laborers, and we'd wait on a dude in a big white truck to come pick us up, and we would go to a job site, and we would do irrigation, we'd do construction, we'd do landscaping, whatever, and I'd work for 100 bucks, and you work from sunup to sundown. And here's the thing with day laborers <laughs> that Paul's talking to here. Tools go missing off the job site all the time. It's just kind of a thing. Paul is speaking to day laborers who used to steal off the job site. And he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor and do honest work with his hands. Paul's theology for the workplace, watch this. Let the thief no longer steal. He doesn't say, and go down the street and go to seminary. Let the thief no longer steal and go plant a church. Let the thief no longer steal and go into Christian academia or write books or whatever. No, what he actually instructs the vast majority of Christians to do. Let the thief no longer steal, undergo conversion, change, repent, give your life to Jesus. Let the thief no longer steal and what? Go right back into the workplace. And let him labor with honest hands. Pretty amazing. So, that's the that's the the beginning to go back into the workplace so what i want to do now is i want to invite my friend becky uh becky uh is going to tell us well i want you to tell us where you work and tell us a little bit of what it's looked like for you and being faithfully present to your coworkers. we have a mic for you right here um so i was excited about this whole idea of faithful presence in the workplace because i feel like i'm terrible at it <laughs> and i was excited um just to hear how my life outside of work together just with my faith in Christ. Um, so I was excited to listen and not share. But Alex was <laughs> breaking it down and was like, what motivates you? What motivates you to go to work? And um, I was like, well, it's, yeah, I, I love people. Um, what do you do? I'm a nurse practitioner. Which is? Which nobody knows what it is. I work in healthcare. Um, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I am the, the mid-level mid provider. I get to hang out with 
with patients while my surgeons are in the OR. So, um, yeah, they don't know who I am a lot of the times. Like, I'll walk in the room, oh, my nurse is here. Um, I'm like, oh, well, not really. <laughs> um, oh, my doctor's here. No, not that either. But, um, but yeah, so I take care of patients day by day, um, and I love it. Um, so one, yeah, so Alex was asking, like, what is my motivation? And just in life in general, I, I love people. I want people to be known, to be cared for, and feel loved. And so um, when the Lord, like, just the cliche of open doors, but truly just open doors into my career in healthcare, um, just trying to figure out what that, what that looks like, um, to love people, to care for them. Um, so that motivates me. Sorry, I did take some notes. I'm trying to follow my notes. You're good. Um, You're good. Okay, okay. Um, so here I am. So yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner, da 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 da. So I have my patients, and then I also have a team of my providers. So I lead a team of nine nurse practitioners, physician assistants, um, and I care for them as well. Like, I love them. We work in a very stressful environment. I want them to be feel appreciated, to have the resources they need to do their job well, um, and I want them to do their job well. So there's a combination of all of that. Um, I want them to, yeah, be protected, all of that. So that being said, the last few months, um, years, really, have, have been pretty tough in healthcare. Um, especially the last six months in particular, our team has um, been feeling a lot of uh, just defeat um, in general. And so um, with that, I have become frustrated <laughs> when I'm not able to care for my people, when I'm not able to care for my patients, when um, I don't have the time or the resources to uh, that they need when they get out of the hospital. Um, it's very hard, um, and I've been taking a lot of that on myself. Um, there was a situation recently that was pretty, was just very hard. Um, there's a lot that's out of my control. I, you know, I can study, I can do the latest things. We can provide what we can, but um, I mean, you can't control how bodies respond to things a lot of times. Um, so there, there was a situation recently where I was pretty heartbroken, heartbroken for a family, heartbroken for a situation in general, and just um, like praying about that, praying for them, and just realizing like what I can do, what I can offer um, is only so much. What I really at the core want um, are them to know the Lord and to know the Lord's comfort and peace and love, and I can only do so much. Um, and so in my caring for my coworkers in my bringing in baked goods and pens or whatever I know that they like and appreciate. Um, like I'm praying for them when I'm baking or um, just giving them over to the Lord instead of, of my strength. Um, so I love being able to be a part of people's lives, um, to show them dignity, um, to just have them have Ears once in a while. Um, there, there are days that I, there's not a lot that I'm doing clinically for them, and so all they need to hear is like, "Tell me about your grandkids, show me your pictures, whatever." Mm -hmm. But just 
um, yeah, people want to be known. Um, and I have an opportunity to be there in vulnerable, scary times. And I love that. I, I love that. Um, so all that to say, I love the opportunity that I have in my workplace. Um, and in being present to the Lord, I'm able to hand over a lot of the frustrations and not control that I have in the workplace and um, with these with these patients and coworkers. So I did have a I did have a verse because I felt like we kind of need a verse, and apparently everybody up here wants a verse today. Go for it. Um, and it's also <laughs> we do like the Bible. We're we into do it. like the Bible. We're into I it. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, also in Ephesians, it's three. But for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that's what I want. That's awesome. Thank you, Becky. Gosh. And um, yes, yeah, seriously, thank you. And thank you for serving the way you do in, 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 in a hospital. I mean, hey, should we just pause and just pray for our sis real quick this morning that's going back into healthcare? I mean, Heroes, yes, I know you didn't come up here to be called a hero, whatever. But seriously, thank you for being a, a bright light and a glowing example to our, to our community. Thank you for serving our city. Oh, amazing. Let's pray for our sis real quick, yeah? Father, thank you for Becky. Thank you for giving her a brilliant mind and a huge heart to serve people. We pray that she would be filled with your spirit and, and strengthened continue to use her as a bright light to encourage people in the workplace. Thank you for how she's encouraged us today. We pray for her coworkers. We pray for her patients that she's looking after. We pray for those relationships. Thank you for hearing our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, sis. Appreciate you. Okay. So... Back into Ephesians, where Paul says, Let him who stole, let the thief, now labor with, where he says, honest hands. So there's more to it than just undergoing conversion. It speaks to how to go about to use the hands they used to steal, which took a lot of creative, crafty, deceitful kind of thinking to go into being a good thief, you're going to have to put a lot of work into this. If you've ever stolen something, you know this to be true. He says, now I want you to take those same hands and I want you to take that same mind that was able to do that kind of crafty, deceitful way of living. And he says, I actually want you to do honest work with your own hands, which speaks to the goodness and the integrity of the kind of labor that we're giving to customers and to coworkers around us to do honest work, to have work that's integrous, to have work that's thought through. It's not just merely accomplishing the end of the goal, but the means matter. How we go about all of the things in our workplace actually matters. That God calls us to a place of integrity. 
So I want to invite my friend Brian Scherenberg. He's going to share this morning. Um, he actually spoke uh, at our men's day a few months ago on, on, on um, ethics in the workplace. And uh, I asked him if he would be willing to just take a couple of the highlights from that time together and be willing to share some of that. So, Brian, tell us what you do, a little about yourself, and then hop in, will you? Thanks, dude. Quick intro about myself, my family and I have been a part of Redemption for a number of years, and in terms of what I do for work and what we're talking about in the workplace, I work for a company called Callus Group. We, we work with, uh, kind of in a, in a corporate business setting, we, we work with a number of other uh, companies in business and technology services, is kind of what I do. So my kids, if you ask them what I do, they'll give you a different answer uh, than that. There's a number of things that that dad does um, in front of a computer, basically. So um, as Alex shared a number of months ago, some of, some of you all, uh, the men in the church, we got together for a day to talk about faithful presence in the workplace and, and how that plays out. Um, good to see you this morning. So uh, a number of us, uh, you know, got together during that time and I had shared about how um, ethics and specifically integrity is something that uh, kind of a lens that I look through in my work and just want to share some of those thoughts with you this morning, primarily how uh, my and our integrity can be a blessing to others. So um, very specific in what we're talking about in Ephesians, but the reality of that, obviously, don't need to tell you, it's hard. It's not easy. It can be uncomfortable. Um, you know, a number of settings where to say the right thing, to do the right thing is not for my game or it makes me feel uncomfortable. And, um, but I guess just to, to share a little bit more about how I approach this with you is, for me, the, the motivation of doing, doing the right thing even when it's hard, uh, it helps to know that there's, there's joy in that. There's life that I experience in participating with God in what he's doing in the lives of people. And I think that's something that I'll share an example, but... Um, but I think the, the, the how of that is also important. You know, mm. how do I maintain integrity when it's hard or when, you know, there's a situation that's uncomfortable? And, and I guess what, what I'd like to share is just even a story about how um, I practically think of this is like day to day, kind of moment by moment, how do I create space to be faithfully present to God and the Holy Spirit and how he's kind of leading me through the day. So part of what I do is um, the role that I, that I have with our company. So I oversee hiring and I spend a lot of my time in interviews, talking with people about their backgrounds and their experience and how well that can fit within two positions that we're hiring within our company. A lot of my time is spent in interviews. And um, in those moments, I try to, I don't always, but I try to go into those conversations being present. What, what can I do in this situation that will be a blessing to the person that I'm talking about? And to be quite honest, there's a lot of competing priorities for time and attention, and so it's not always easy to go into those conversations with that. But um, there was, you know, a number of months ago, I was, I was uh, conducting an interview with a candidate for a position, and um, many of you know, I mean, interviewing is a vulnerable experience anyways. It's not... <laughs> Um, I, 
probably be hard-pressed to say, like, who, who loves going into a job interview, right? So I, I get that. So there's a kind of an empathy, but this person that I was interviewing did not come across well. You know, they, they, the way that they shared their experience, it was kind of a very clear indication that it's, it's not, this is not the best position. And what is um, easy in that setting, or even quite normal, quite acceptable, is to say, hey, thanks for your time, we'll be in touch. You know, or something like that. Some type of, hey, appreciate this time, this was great, we'll be in touch. <laughs> and which essentially, you know, is, is, is an acceptable thing to do. But in that moment, that day, I was thankfully present and just listening and thinking of the dignity of, okay, here's a person. There's a vulnerable situation. They're interviewing for a job. They're, you know, they're trying to decipher what's, what's best for them. Do I have an opportunity to speak in? And so in that moment, for me, faithful presence looked like asking permission to say, hey, before we wrap up, do you mind if I share some feedback from our time today that could be helpful? And the person said yes, and I said, hey, just so you know, some of these things that you said, this is how it came across to me. And cool. from the way that that was communicated, this was the impression that I had. Mm -hmm. Now, that may not be the case, and here's some things that you could have done that would have communicated better in this yeah. set, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I shared some tips about things they could tweak in their resume that would communicate kind of what they were trying to share. So in that moment, I was thankful to participate, but it was really uncomfortable because part of it was, how, how's this gonna be received? You know, there's that part from a, even from a hiring perspective is kind of scary. <laughs> like, oh gosh, are they gonna write a bad review? Is this gonna like become some kind of HR thing? But, but in the Classical moment, work. the person you know, that I was talking to said, hey, thanks, this was really helpful. Nobody's ever done that for me in an interview before. That's cool. And walking away from that, there's, you know, yes, it's, it, it turned out in this setting to be a blessing to this person. But for me, there was even joy in that of knowing, God, thanks that you let me participate in something you were doing. It was kind of, I mean, honestly, it felt small felt really small. It was just one interaction in this person's day. And I, I've lost touch with that person. I've not spoken with them again. But hopefully it was, it was life-giving, you know? And hopefully it was something that, a way for us, or for me, to impart dignity. So that's coming, kind of coming back to how do we live this out? That's what it looks like for me and some, some of my day-to-day. -day, but, but I think the, the struggle is in the faithful presence piece. It's, it's the creating space to actually listen to God and his Holy Spirit when he's prompting me to participate. And mm -hmm. the things that compete with that are, are numerous, you know, and, and I think it's easy to, you know what, he's prompting me to do this, but I could communicate in this way and it's going to build my own kingdom or, you know, benefit my own gain or my reputation might look better if I don't listen. So those are the things that, you know, that, that I can be tempted to. But wanting, I guess, encourage you of, you know, when we live this out day to day, thinking about our coworkers, it's just slowing down enough to pause and say, God, what do you, what do you have for me in this moment? And are we able to, you know, slow down and, and recognize it mm -hmm. and participate in it? But there's joy in that. That's and that's cool. the encouragement this morning. As you go into like, if I can ask just one question. I didn't sure. tell Brian I'd ask questions. But, like, as you were saying at the very beginning, like, the how to, like, like, what does it look like as you prep for your day? 
like as you know, you're going to walk into a day and you've got two or three potentially maybe challenging or difficult conversations that you might have to have or, you know, how do you prepare your own self for a day like that where it's, it's going to be a bigger lift? Most days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most days I wouldn't say I, I, I do great. You know, I think oftentimes my schedule's busy. I feel sure. rushed. Um, but I think it, it, it is, you know, it's a pause, quite, mm-hmm. quite honestly. It's just a pause. Slow down. Okay. God, use me today. Help me be present. There you go. Um, so it's nothing fancy. I don't have any, any secrets or tricks. No, but that's I, great. I think just the, the slow down moment mm-hmm. is pause enough to give room for God's voice to break in through the rest of the distractions in my schedule. Mm-hmm. My spiritual director calls those breath prayers where they're just like, God, I need help right now. Like, it's just help is a good prayer. <laughs> you know, like, um, it's com- that's complete, you know? And so, yeah, that's really cool. Just the pause thing. Okay. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. Okay. The, the last little piece of the gospel, or of, of Ephesians that I want to point out, uh, has to do with let the former thief do his honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So the point of a Christian going to the workplace is not merely to line our own pockets with our own money and stack out a bank account. God's called us to a greater purpose that we might be able to share with those in need. And so that as we clock in day by day, week by week, year over year, one of the reasons is so that we acquire our money and then it's with the intention of practicing the virtue of generosity. That the point, so that we might have something to share. This changes the way, why it changes how you feel about things on a Tuesday <laughs> or when you're thinking about a payday that's coming. Is that so that we may have something to share with someone in need. And that is the opposite of the way Seattle often thinks in the workplace. It's my time. It's my job. My job is about self-actualization. My job is about me getting a big paycheck, and then I go spend my money on me. And the Christian worldview comes back and goes, actually, I'm going to work. I'm going to acquire money. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to put a roof over my head or whatever. But I'm going to be generous with the world around me to share with anyone in need. Okay, so now I'm going to pause for a final word of testimony from no stranger here, Megan Falgado. And Megan's going to share uh, a little bit about her previous uh, place of employment. And uh, yeah, go ahead and tell us a little about yourself, what you're up to these days, school, all the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. If uh, you're, you don't already know, uh, I am in grad school right now for counseling psychology. Um, but uh, I'm going to dive into a little bit of a longer narrative. I was going to say, Alex, you might want to sit for this one because I don't want your feet to hurt. Great. Um, I'll take a break. Because <laughs> I'm all about stories, so I'm going to take you in uh, to a little bit of my narrative at my previous workplace. Uh, before we moved to Seattle, we lived in New Jersey. Um, and when I was 22, I was working as a nanny after graduating my undergrad, but I was in desperate need of supplemental income. So I took a temp job through a friend working at a corporate financial counseling firm for company executives. It's a mouthful, a lot of numbers. Um, And it was supposed to last three months, but 
I actually ended up working there for six and a half years. Um, I've always loved engaging with story, um, and I studied film, TV, and theater in school previously, and I ended up in a gray cubicle working with spreadsheets and town hall meetings, which at the time was my worst nightmare. Um, and for the first several weeks, I would leave work overwhelmed and in tears. Um, I believed that this job would break me, deaden a piece of me, um, through the love for money and position around me, the stressful pressure put on its employees, and the resignation and the bitterness of so many people around me. Um, I was truly counting down the days until those three months were over. Um, but God had another plan for me, and I continued to receive offers for extending my time and eventually full-time employment, which at every turn, I just I couldn't refuse it. I wasn't sure why. It was a hard decision at every turn, but I, I felt deeply that my time there was not finished. I started to think and feel, maybe I am Daniel in Babylon, and I have a job to do. I was called to be faithful and excel at my work and to be a witness of light. Um, and I knew this, and yet uh, the Christian mindset that I embodied at the time was um, a little bit different. I, I really felt like it was my responsibility to proclaim Jesus to my coworkers, that that was my mission. I had to keep this in mind and seek ways to weave these conversations, make them come about with my coworkers without getting too close to them um, because I thought that's what it meant to be faithful. I believed that was God's main agenda for me um, and why he must have placed me in this corporate world. Um, however, um, he started to bring many different individuals into my life through my workplace. And I continued to slowly build real relationships with others. And they began to trust me and open up to me and share a small part of their own loneliness and pain and often in a guarded and defensive, seemingly inaccessible way. They would accept when I shared about my faith, although they were a little uncomfortable, but they rarely wanted to engage further. I started to become discouraged and started to question if I was really serving any greater purpose there at all. I began to realize that my motivation for relationship was more rooted in fear and obligation and not love. I didn't realize at the time my own objectification of my coworkers, but God brought this to light for me, and he continued to reveal the humanity and the stories that were all around me. It wasn't my job to change hearts, and I had to surrender that. I just had to move towards my coworkers in love and to make myself available to provide attunement, containment, encouragement, or even practical help at work to meet them where they were in life. And it was only after this letting go with God that I really began to see him move there. Um, after working there for five years and developing trust and respect and some really deep relationships with a few of my coworkers, um, a beloved longtime employee who actually helped train me fell very ill really quickly. After only a few months of tests and hospitalization, she would be diagnosed with um, a very rare and fatal brain disease. Um, it was only a matter of time before she lost all of her functioning and eventually her life. This news um, 
it really felt like a wave of terror over my workplace. And each day felt heavier and more somber. Um, there was more silence and contemplation. And this wasn't the first major tragedy, even around health, that the company had walked through, but each one of us was faced with mortality. And that was difficult to suppress. And one morning, one of my friends from church and I were talking by the copier. Um, just a quick side note, I was really blessed to work alongside a few of my friends from church, which really was a life raft to me during those years. Um, we had agreed that we ourselves were powerless in the situation, but that we wanted to gather and do what we could. We wanted to pray for our coworker, her family, and for the company as we all navigated this loss. As we communicated to our other believing friends, the question of, is it okay if we invite a couple people who are close to her? I think they would really want to join. It may provide some comfort. These things began to arise. And we all had made our own relationships with varying coworkers around the company, and so it was encouraging for us to feel comfortable enough to invite some of these other relationships into the sacred space. And unbeknownst to me, the word uh, began to circulate around the office that morning. And a few hours later, another coworker approached me in surprise to say, I, I heard you're taking time to pray today. Thank you for setting this up. I think there's actually quite a few people who are wanting to join and just do what they can right now. And I tell, let me tell you that I was just completely shocked. I, I, how many, I wondered. I, it started with four people. Could there be as many as 10 or 15? Uh, so when 12 o'clock came, I went into the large conference room where I said I would be and available to pray with people for whoever wanted to join. And this moment specifically, I know I will never forget because I opened up that door and I genuinely thought I had walked into an all-staff meeting that I forgot to put on my calendar. That the room was completely packed. Out of the 125 employees that worked there, over two-thirds of them sat there, somberly waiting. I mean, this was a room full of assistants, financial analysts, account managers, and even our supervisors, sitting anxiously, all turning to look at me as I entered into the space. And thinking back on this moment feels like a dream. Because me, what did I do? I didn't bring it about. Um, and I, I looked and thought, how could this be possible? Was I really about to lead my peers and my superiors in a time of prayer to God in our corporate conference room? <laughs> and I walked to the front and introduced why we were there. And I opened the room for whoever felt they wanted to pray and that I'd pray and close out our time at the end. And the room was filled with people of different backgrounds of faith. I mean, there was a handful of people, either self-identifying Catholics, agnostics, universalists, charismatics, traditional Presbyterians, prosperity gospelists, reformed evangelicals, and the majority really unknown if they had um, a faith structure at all. And the following 45 minutes was filled with a variety of some nervous prayers, a few heartfelt prayers, um, a couple of liturgical prayers, um, and even a charismatic plea to the Lord that ended with an a cappella gospel song. Um, I was so stunned by the spirits present in that room, I couldn't fully process or make sense of what was happening before my eyes. Others were really stunned as well and kind of avoided eye contact as we filed out of the room. 
um, but back at my desk afterwards, I, I received some calls and emails of encouragement about that time, and a handful requested that we continue to meet, perhaps on a regular basis, to gather and pray some more, maybe even to incorporate some prayer uh, for some other hardships that people were walking through. My eyes were opened to the deep hunger and suffering that flooded my coworkers' lives. So for that next year, I made myself available biweekly during lunch to sit with anyone who wanted to come, share, or pray. Sometimes there were as few as three of us, um, but our group would sometimes extend to over a dozen individuals, mostly women, um, but who were in great need to share a piece of their lives and ask for prayer. I began to incorporate passages of scripture or reflections for us to read together and discuss in addition to praying. We talked through God's love for us, our identity and his image, what prayer and relationship can look like with him, his presence in our suffering, his desire for our surrender, and the joy that is possible through him. It was not always easy for the group to read or to understand, but I kept showing up with a new offering each time, and others kept showing up to listen and to consider. And this was one of the hardest aspects of my job to leave when Daniel and I decided to end our time in New Jersey and move to Seattle, because I was so grateful to bear witness to the work God started to do among these people and humbled that not only that he used me, but how much he did with how little I had offered. And it was when I stopped trying and resigned myself to merely making myself available when God began the real sacred to unfold there. And this became even more evident when I was told that this group still meets bi-weekly during lunch after over two and a half years of me being gone. His spirit is still very much at work. Um, so God he used my job and the people there to humble me in a lot of ways and to remind me how he loves and how kind and present he is to each of us and that we all have our own stories and that we all need witnesses to those stories, to have others be aware of and attuned to our desires and our sufferings, to come alongside us in celebration and encouragement, and as well as during times of great loss and grief. No man is an island, and God has showed me this time and time again. He reminded me that our workplaces, no matter how tedious, frustrating, or seemingly soul-crushing in nature, are actually sacred ground, filled with sacred souls and stories, and that he is calling us to enter into those, not by doing anything grand or by checking off evangelical boxes, but by merely showing up, by being present with others, being consistent in our character and making ourselves available, available to help and to love, to show kindness, and to step into the unknown when opportunities present themselves. And I hope that my sharing a piece of my story can serve as an encouragement to each of you, no matter where you find yourselves, whether that's in corporate America or working in ministry, or if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're retired or a student or without a traditional vocation, you are already in the midst of God's spirit and the sacredness of other stories. We just have to be faithful in the showing up and to ask for the lenses to see the holy that is already all around us. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Meg. Okay, church.
So now you've heard from different men and women on just a few examples of what it's looked like for them to practice faithful presence, whether it's in cybersecurity, a hospital, or where Meg was just describing. Um, if you'll notice that each of those, each of those instances, they were present to the Spirit of God in such a way as to show up to the coworkers around them, not with all the solutions, but prompted by the Holy Spirit, filled with the good news of the gospel, and then to become available. And in each of these instances, we're seeing this is what it looks like to become faithfully present to our coworkers, and this is what the salt of the earth, the light of the world, looks like day by day. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is this, and it's the gospel itself. Remember what we just read in Ephesians. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt speech come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may bring grace to all who hear. It is no coincidence that when Jesus died, he died between thieves. And that Jesus, as he hung on his cross, did honest work with his own hands. And that as Jesus rose, he now has salvation to give to all who are in need. When Jesus hung on Good Friday, he let no corrupt speech come out of his mouth, but instead prayed for the forgiveness of his persecutors. Why? Because he was building up. And now we have a grace-filled message for all to hear. So how does it look to be faithfully present to our coworkers? We go back and we remember, I'm not just called to be a good, moral, hardworking person. We first and foremost always consistently root ourselves in the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. These testimonies we saw today were ripple effects from Pentecost from a couple of thousand years ago. This is what it looks like to stay in step with the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening today.